Hi, and welcome to a small, medium, at large podcast. I'm your host, Gail Heisen, bringing you intimate stories that heal. Today, we have a very special guest, Randy Zanisis. If I haven't pronounced his name correctly, when he comes on, he can tell us how to say it correctly. <laughs> Randy was not your ordinary child. He learned to keep his thoughts and communications with spirits, beings, rocks, trees, and aliens to himself. As a child, his mother would have him write on a grocery bag, I will not talk to my invisible friends when we have company. As a child, he would also see ideas for future inventions. So in the 80s, he became an inventor and a channel for, for incoming ideas and technology. Randy has invented monitoring and tracking devices which were licensed his technology, he licensed his technology to the Brinks company and what is now AT&T. He has researched how radio frequencies affect humans, plants, and animals. He invented a contactless oil pump using magnets. He invented an oil controller and radio frequency to smartphones and satellite monitoring and much, much more. He is a remote viewer, a director of the Great Spirit Earth Spirits of the Land Foundation and Sacred Healing Center in Oklahoma. Let's welcome today to our show, Randy. Hi, Randy. Welcome. Hello. So could you say your last name for us? Because I, I just wasn't sure exactly how to get it right. Oh, well, let me get my driver's license and I'll, oh. I'll see you here. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's German. It's Zeisness. So it's like sneezing. Oh, Zeisness. Yeah, Zeisness. 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 Yeah. Okay. But you so, got to have a mask on when you do that. Right. <laughs> so there was a, a very um, a very wonderful story that you shared with me uh, before um, we decided to do this podcast. And I wanted to tell our viewers, I just met Randy recently this year. We were both together in a remote viewing study group. And that's where we met. And I was so pleased that he would find the time in his busy schedule to be here as our guest. So there was something he sent to me called, when plans, ideals, or events turn to shit. And he has a story behind that from his childhood that I thought we could start off with. And from there, we will move on to the next chapter. So let's hear about this. Well, first of all, when you're buried in shit, you don't remember everything. So I'll try to remember it. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, my folks uh, were divorced when I was five. And, and the best thing that ever happened to me is we went to go live with my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandfather was an incredible inventor and, and helped build airplanes and what have you. And my grandmother was a very spiritual woman. And she hid all of her books up in the attic, which I read all of them and the only books I ever read, I hated to read, but her books I would read. Mm -hmm. And so grandfather would never let us have a TV. He said it was, it was a waste of time. It was evil. So finally my mother and my sister convinced him to get a TV. And he said, well, that would corrupt your minds. Uh, and so, uh, first show I watched was Superman show and I spent most of my time sleeping and awake and trying to figure out how I could fly better. 
because I was always flying somewhere and checking out something and and I'd be running and I'd jump in the air and of course I'd fall down and hit the ground. And, and so here's this guy that has this invention of this blanket and so he can fly anywhere. So I said, wow, I run up to my bedroom, I get my blanket, I put it around my shoulders, I run out and climb up on the roof of the barn. Of course, my little voice knew at that time I didn't appreciate its value. Uh, and so it says, well, you know, the blanket might not work. Uh, so it's best to have a better spot to jump off of than the concrete, which is where I was heading. And so sure enough, there was a big pile of manure because we had a cows and what have you. And, and so that was perfect. So I ran and jumped off of there and, and first indicated that the blanket was a good invention was it was the only thing sticking out of that pile of manure. So somebody might be able to find me. You were how old then? Five or six years old or something. Any of the astral projection you were doing at home before you decided to take this uh, physical flight? <laughs> well, you know, I I was able to see things and talk to spirits and what have you and, and actually had some photographs when they first came out with the uh, Polaroid camera that showed my little light friends flying around me. And they just thought it was a flare in the photograph. Anyway, so I'm down in this pile of manure. And I, first thing I learned was keep your mouth shut. So I, that lesson's come in handy. <laughs> and then I see all these critters crawling around and everything. And I'm, that was my first experience of wanting to know more about critters when I've got my ultra dark field microscope. And then I, I hear my grandfather and my uncle out there rolling on the ground. Uh, laughing and all of a sudden I could see them on the ground rolling. I thought, well, hey, that's cool. And uh, so then my uncle finally says, well, how long do you think we ought to leave them in there? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, they finally uh, pulled me out. Thank goodness the blanket finally did work as an invention. Uh, they were able to pull me out with the blanket. And, uh, you know, it's funny that none of the relatives know that story because they always thought I was a little off anyway. Uh, so they did not want to make people think I was even crazier than what I was. So uh, that the story, you know, most of the relatives are all gone now, so I can tell this story. But I was told never to tell anybody this story. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing that I was born strange and I'm getting stranger every day. Cause that's my resume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Resume. <laughs> so this, this became sort of a teaching for you though, in life, didn't it? Well, it was, you know, it became evident that I was different. You know, I wrote upside down and backwards when I, first was born and and bless my grandmother's heart she she would gr grow a new tree for every child that they would have born to the families mm -hmm. and so when she was at the hospital and she saw me she says i'm gonna have to grow two bushes to have enough switches for that boy <laughs> and, on the rise. <laughs> and she knew that uh, right from the very beginning and she knew how to use them switches too i'll guarantee you 
because I got tanned every day whether I needed it or not. <laughs> and so when I got to school, you know, I was always doing something wrong. And so the teacher, and back then you pretty much had one teacher, the teacher put me up on a stool and gave me this really pretty pointed red hat. And man, I thought, wow, I'm the top of that whole class well, up front here. And I got this hat. Nobody else got one like it. And, and I was so happy it pissed her off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And so that, I kind of turned into a comedian after that because I learned I, I could make people happy by telling them jokes. And, uh, you know, my life has just been one miracle after another. And I, and I just, after a while, I got to saying, you know, there's got to be a reason for me uh, to have these abilities. And so I took my lemons and I made lemonade. And you were saying here that you learned to always have, oh, shit, as a backup plan. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always have a worst case scenario uh, situation, yes. And um, uh, you were saying that you learned to carry accident insurance during your time of doing these inventions in case there were any kind of explosions. Yes, and I, I did blow up one lab, and so... Uh, if there was booming shirts, I'd be carrying it for sure. <laughs> I, 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 I want to go into um, something you mentioned here about, which has to do with the oh shit question, about the voice. I'm, I'm just going to hold this up because this is one of the things you told me when we first met. And I thought it was the most important words maybe for others as much, but as for me, very important, but I think it's good for others to hear. I'm gonna hold this up here for a second. And it says, be proud of your inner voice. Be proud of your inner being and voice. And when you gave me those words, it just, it was just what I needed to hear at that moment. And I keep it on my refrigerator because it's a very important reminder because as we get older, we start quieting and forgetting those voices that were really guiding us, which I think might be our higher self or wherever the information is coming from. It's important information. And I was hoping you could share with our listeners about what you wrote here about how to start to get engaged with your voice by asking little non-critical questions. So could you share that so that some people out here that are listening who maybe shut their voice off or it's getting pretty low and quiet or haven't ever listened to it, they'd be able to know something that they could try to help them get re-engaged with that important voice. Yeah, well, the outer image of what we see in people, uh, I learned that that was not important because when I was in junior high, my uh, jeans were rolled up to my knees so I could grow into those pants. <laughs> <laughs> And so it wasn't what was on the outside. It was what was on the inside that became important to me. And I was very lucky to have numerous people show up as teachers or masters or whatever you want to call them at different places in my life and be able to learn from them. And uh, so the inner voice that I talked to myself or to that inner voice started from you know immediately 
with mm -hmm. me. And so I run across people who were teaching classes on how to follow the, like the, the Sheikh religion. You would listen to your sound spirit current is what we called it. And depending on the sounds that you hear inside of yourself depends on where you're at in consciousness and development. And so that was a reassociation and and Paramahansa Yogananda's book and Dr. Thin's books and and classes and different things further showed me that that inner light and that inner voice knew everything and could do most anything. And so I was able to heal people and and do stuff with that light. And yet I couldn't hardly ever talk to anybody about it, uh, you know. And my own family sometimes thought I was friggin' nuts, you know. Uh, to, to my wife, we were we got together in high school, and you know, all her girlfriends said, "Well, he's crazy. You shouldn't be with him. He's too wild." And and my wife just told him, "She says I like wild." <laughs> Me too. <laughs> And so, anyway, the uh, one example is we were driving down the road in, in a snowstorm, and thank goodness I had a, at that time, I had a Lincoln Navigator with four-wheel drive, and, and I was taking the kids somewhere, high school, something or other, and a little voice says, somebody's in trouble, you need to go help them. So I said, guys, I hate to do this to you, but I, I've got to go help somebody. When they, they're looking down the road, I said, where, who? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so they would just tell me, turn right, turn left. And, and uh, so here we are out in the middle of friggin' nowhere on dirt road. And here's this woman with nothing but a house coat on. And I mean, it was blowing cold, snowing. And she had a fifth of whiskey, probably the only thing that kept her alive. And she was had an argument with her husband and she was trying to find her sister's house well i drove up there and i said well i just happened to know your sister and they, my family looked at me like well you don't what are you kidding me i said i don't but in her, her voice does <laughs> so we drove down the road and sure enough she said here's your sister's house so we dropped her off and, and oh everybody was all happy and everything so we're driving home and there wasn't a peep from anybody <laughs> I <laughs> we share some similar since we've been communicating I, I i feel like we share some very similar stories i had that with my family too i was we, i was driving us to a stevie wonder concert mm. and i was here in california on 101 and this guy came zooming past me and when he zoomed past me i just saw this whole accident that was going to occur Yep. And, and it occurred within less than a minute of my vision of it. And so my husband said it was like being in slow motion because we watched the accident and the car and the glass all twirling around. And I just took our car and just drove around it like I like <laughs> I knew which lane to go in and back into the other one. And they were like, how did you know how to do that? And I said, because I saw it happen before it happened. Yeah. Acted immediately, but your family always makes fun of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, from being in a big crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, one of the major things in my life was uh, I had just licensed Brinks and AT and T, both 
the tracking technology, which all my buddies hated because now their wives knew where they were with their cell phones. Were you pre-GPS? Was that like making a GPS kind of thing? No, no. Back then, you know, and I and I made a mistake with AT&T. You know, they signed a six-page confidentiality agreement and so that I could go into their big uh, high-tech control center. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, I'd already been there a number of times remotely. Yes. <laughs> and, and so I go strutting in there and I go right over to where they hold all the data from all the cell sites that they throw away. And oh, they got upset. Oh, they told me out of there. They were saying, how did you know where that? When have you been here before? And I said, do you want to know the technology or do you want to know how I got in here in a body you wouldn't understand? (laughs) 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 And so anyway, we, uh, uh, well, one, one more thing about that situation. Sometimes it's best to keep your mouth shut, like in the shit pile, uh, when you're dealing with people. And so I had a beautiful opportunity when my wife was uh, going to college to be a nurse and we, I had to get money somewhere so we could support that situation. And, and so I went back to Boeing, which I said, I would never go back to Boeing. I mean, because if I hadn't known mantras, you know, uh, when I was going to college, I was in a bin and I would be cleaning parts in that bin with a bird knife, eight hours. We're talking about Boeing aircraft. Boeing aircraft, Wichita, Kansas. And and so I would say my mantras. And so everybody thought I was crazy, but the mantras kept me from going crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I had a job after that of learning to find lost tools. Now, Boeing had a special division called tooling uh, control. And all we did first and second shift was try to find lost tools for the Boeing 747 plane. Wow. And so there was 13 or 14 people on first shift and there was me on second. Well, I was always finding more than they did. And then uh, they were walking around. Well, I went to the payroll department. I said, hey, your scooter's sitting here all night long. Nobody's using it. And they said, well, yeah, sure. So here I am driving around with a scooter. Well, that pissed off a bunch of supervisors. Uh, and so this one guy who was in charge of me, uh, I got excited because they had a reward to find this $300,000 die because it's going to have to build another one. And so mm-hmm. I'm at home, I'm, I'm sitting around doing some work. I said, well, I see where it's at. I see the post, I see the number on the post and I, I see that it's Reading, Pennsylvania. So I call my supervisor up and said, oh, hey, I found it. You don't have to make another die. And so I got it to work the next day. He says, well, we got to let you go. I said, well, excuse me? <laughs> I just found your tool. For-. They said, well, there's no way you could have known that. So you had to ship that to Reading in order to know where it was. This is AT&T? <laughs> huh? This was AT&T? No, this was Boeing Aircraft. Boeing Air, okay. Yeah, so there was two situations. Boeing, uh, AT&T, I should have never said... Uh, where's it at? I should have asked him. Right. You know, and then Boeing, I should have never told them that. I should have just left it somewhere where they would see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, sometimes you get too excited in being able to do what you do uh, when you should keep your mouth shut. Well, there is sometimes that 
that's what the difficulty some people have had where I've spoken to different psychics who have never wanted to bring their information to the police department because they know of other people who ended up being arrested because they say there's no way you could know this information. That's so if right. you do it, you must have been involved in the crime. Yep. And so that prevents people from coming forward who know information because yep. then they become accused when all they happen to do is remotely see. That's right. Yep. So well, go on. Uh, no. So uh, back to the original story, what were we talking about? Oh, I don't know. We're both. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about the thing about like what you were telling people that if you want to get to know your inner voice, the little non-critical right. questions, like what color is the stoplight over the hill or is the food good to eat? Yeah. Little, little exercises that can help people. I was so, hoping you could share that with yeah. them to develop so, their inner voice to be stronger. Could you ask for a better job than to be paid to learn how to find lost stuff? No, <laughs> I, I didn't <laughs> you even, You've been paid to find water also, haven't you, in other countries? Oh, where, yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us about those things. Well, uh, the most incredible one was primary water in Kenyan, Africa. Mm -hmm. A big company from Netherlands come in with a million dollar grant from the United Nations to find oil in that part of Africa. After a year of spending that million dollars, they said there was no water to be drilled into. Uh, so a driller friend of mine went there, we got funding to drill five wells and uh, a geologist, the best geologist you could ever ask for. And so I, I helped him uh, giving feedback on locations of where to drill. Uh, and uh, so one of them was in the middle of the, I forget the tribal name, but the, uh, we drilled through solid rock and it shook the whole rig when that dome opened up through that hole. And that did about 30,000 gallons a minute Whoa. down the side of that mountain and created all kinds of vi villages and what have you. And the only thing we got paid was two wives and one goat. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure your wife loved that gift. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little bit tricky because they were the daughters of the chief. Oh my God. <laughs> so the, the, uh, I'm glad I was sitting in my seat because everything I do is by satellite. Uh, so you actually, your body was not in Kenya. Your body was in. Oh, no, no, I would never go there. And, oh, you know, so, so you're. There's remote. another whole subject of why I, I don't do remote viewing on site. Uh huh. So uh, we can remote viewed from thousands and thousands of miles away well just it's the you, you do a satellite google whatever it is and mm -hmm. you go down to about a thousand feet and then you're not involved in all the mind energy that's impregnated in all the structure of where you're trying to find something especially yeah. gold i mean you got all these people know where the gold is and then they die and, and so you, you don't have to deal with that when you're a thousand feet up anyway uh so the the geologist slash driller had to hide in the crew truck when they left. And before that, the chief came to him and said, well, which ones you like better, the, the wives or the goat? Well, he didn't know what the hell to say to that. <laughs> he didn't know that goats back then 
at that location were more valuable than the women. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but you know, anyway, he didn't answer that question. He says, well, I've got to go check out something and, and he split. Uh, so if you know anybody would like a couple of wires, well, let me know. <laughs> but to, to, to offer a gift of that nature shows the impact of you just changing these people's lives. Oh I mean, my really God. You had daughters, which yeah. have to be apprised uh, persons of your home and, yep. and your goat, which is giving you milk and, you know, meat in the future. So that's a food source, but you were giving them water and yeah. they needed that to survive. So you should feel pretty good about knowing that you've done things to help other people. Well, that's, that's what the whole thing started was, uh, was shown in uh, Acoma, Sky City, a very sacred place uh, that I should start the foundation and I should try to help humanity and the planet and living things on earth because uh, I do spend a little time on Earth once in a while. <laughs> well, you're here now today. <laughs> so anyway, all five wells we hit, not a dry hole. That's, that's, you know, and then so I've, I've done water locations in Singapore, China, currently uh, working in Taiwan with bottling plants that we're putting up in China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan for structured memory water. And uh, what is that you mean, structured? Well, let's, let's do the little instructions things before we get yes, too far okay. away here. All right. So, main thing you don't want to do is go out and drill a million dollar well the first time you try your intuitiveness. <laughs> There's too much pressure. Yes. <laughs> or always use somebody else's money. Uh, so, you, you start out making little tiny uh, tests. So if you're driving over a hill, you want to know is the stoplight red, green, or blue, whatever. Uh, if you're looking for a parking spot, you ask, should I go left, should I go right? Uh, when, especially when you're looking at food, you ask, should I eat that? Which is why I like uh, buffets better because then I can actually see what somebody's going to try to feed me. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, only time I was fooled in a buffet and my wife, she bless her heart. I was looking at this line of the buffet and I'm thinking, man, this guy's got no energy at all. He's got no life force. He's just terrible. And my wife says, put your glasses on. That's one of those cardboard statues. <laughs> <laughs> so things are not always what they look like. Uh, Where did you go? There you are. <laughs> So you make up those little little things and, and uh, anything you can do to, and this is not an insult to God because you know you were given certain innate abilities that an individual unit of consciousness has to try to make up some of your own decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, if you believe in God and you jump off a high bridge uh, and think you're gonna fly, then it ain't gonna work <laughs> so you you got to have some type of your own creative <laughs> mind ability to say you know what i, I think i'll leave that uh, the guy upstairs and pass on this one mm -hmm. uh and so after a while because i've done a lot of wells and especially the wells in rogers county 
where there was a lot of pissed off wellers that didn't get paid. So they would throw a bunch of trash down the hole. And uh, so they tried to go down and drill those wells deeper and caught the bit in those and that's it. Uh, you're, you're done. And so I, I, I can't very well tell people that I specialized in finding trash down the hole. <laughs> so, so what water is a powerful element have you tried um having things that were other elements or metals or other things that you might be able to discover for a country have they called you to do other things besides water drilling well uh did anyone want you to find a silver mine or you know yeah well you know, first of all, Dr. Bill Tiller, head of Stanford University, I paid him $10,000 to write one of my water patents. And he came to my office and uh, I showed him the black boxes, you know, that I made that created field energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that all you had to do is put your mind in at one time and then it just continuously put that intention into liquids or objects or whatever and so when bill was there he saw what i was doing with water and just could not believe it she's randy the only reason you could build this machine was that you did not know you couldn't because there's no way it can work but it does work <laughs> and we can't tell you how it works uh and so most of my stuff comes as visions to be of service Mm -hmm. and so that's our greatest work here is to be of service yeah and so i took one of these black boxes up to boulder colorado which is what's left of the hippie world and at a party and i you could put little uh, stuff inside of this little pyramid thing and it would generate that energy all throughout the room oh. so i asked him if, if we could uh, demonstrate this and i said now it's going to make everybody laugh and they said yeah right and so I had a water that we called bliss. It had frequencies of meditation and bliss like you have when you meditate. And so I put a couple drops in there. Everybody started laughing. Quit, I mean, they couldn't stop laughing. And so finally I thought, well, maybe I ought to shut this off. I don't want you know, somebody have an accident. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, about that time, a guy says, well, I got to, uh, supposed to take this medicine to Dennis Weaver, the actor. And I said, I'll take it to him. So wait a minute, where's he live? <laughs> and, and so he gives me this little bag of stuff and and gives me uh, uh, how to get to his place. And the little voice said, yeah, do it. So I, I understand why the guy said that when I get outside, there's a friggin' snow blizzard mm -hmm. and the roads are closed. And so I spent six hours out of my way just as the highway patrolman had already shut the gate after I'd gone through to get to Dennis Weaver's house the following morning at six o'clock. So I knock on Dennis Weaver's door and I said, Dennis, I said, you don't know me from sicken. I'm sure I'm here for something besides this medicine, but if you want to meditate on it, let's do it. And well, I didn't know that Dennis was a, you know, he was a hard belief guy in the Yogananda thing. Oh. And uh, oh yeah, Dennis Weaver, the he, actor, correct? Huh? You're talking Dennis Weaver, the actor. 
the actor yeah. yeah nicest guy you ever meet in the world he built a separate meditation room away from the house so we went and meditated him and his wife and me and and uh so i told him i said well you know I'm here for obvious reasons and that you have some health problems. And his wife says, Oh, we can't tell you. We don't want anybody to know. I said, well, too late. <laughs> you can't get the secret from, from Randy. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I, I, you know, we re-engineered the last vacuum tube unit out of the Royal Rife lab who a friend of mine was a friend of Royal Rife's. And so my engineer and I redesigned it, put frequencies in it. And for five years, each five years, we would put new frequencies in it. And I stayed away from the whole thing because they couldn't do anything to me for redesigning a circuit. And uh, so I gave him one of those machines. And a week later, he no longer had a prostrate tumor. Wow. And I've done it, I've, you know, all over the place. We, we only sell them overseas now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just because of the harassment of the mafia, pharma, cobia, mafia, whatever they call themselves. Uh, and so, you know, like in Korea, when the so-called virus first came out, all they did was use the frequencies from 40 years ago that killed mold, fungus, bacteria, colds, flus, viruses, uh, and it and it was gone in a week or two. So is this an electric electrical frequency or it's 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 frequencies that are generated either by hooking something up to your toes, acupressure points, your fingers, or your body. Uh, and now there's really nice crystal uh, tubes that broadcast it, so you don't even have to touch your body, mm -hmm. uh, which makes it a lot safer. Uh, because they can't come after you for woo-woo broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I experienced that in, 19, uh, in 1962. My dad was in a horrific car accident teaching a uh, Hindu monk that was living in our vegan commune at the time how to drive. And Yogananda called him and so he let go of the steering the wheel in the middle of uh, this Highway 395. <laughs> and uh, Swami Vaitananda Saraswati was left with a broken shoulder and amnesia. But my dad was his cushion. So my dad was all broken <laughs> in many different parts of his body. And um, we were raised not to use doctors for intervention when any of these sort of things happen. So the head of the vegan commune took my dad out of the hospital where he was bandaged head to foot and brought him home and only used light therapy with a machine that was built by his father, the Jay's father, not my father's. And Jay's father was sent to prison because he brought these machines over from Europe and was making them himself and sending them out. But there was no money for the medical or pharma to make on this. So he was sent to prison for bringing these machines, but his son still had one. And that's what was used to heal my father. And he'd say like, when the red piece of glass was put in, his pain would be reduced. Yep. It was healing his bones. And it was just fasting on water for six weeks and six weeks in the total darkness with these color lights on him. 
and he healed incredibly. In the hospital, they said, we'll have him better in six months. He was working under cars in six weeks. But yeah. the machine is outlawed. You're not allowed to have this. People all and over the world benefited from that guy's technology of light treatments. And so I did not want to end up like him. Right. Spent life in jail. I'm saying this is a real, what we're saying is real. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I learned how to store photons of energy, different frequencies, different resonant energy, and different colors, whatever you want to call them, in water. And my samples go all the way back to 1991 that I keep in refrigerators. And every once in a while, if I, I, I break out a sample and, and have a little shop from my own stash, but I try to keep them for evidence. But mm -hmm. the photons back in 91, I couldn't figure out why do we need to have the ability to hold photons when we can just go outside, you know, and absorb the sunlight. And I was told there will become a time when the uh, excited frequencies from the sun become altered by galactic disasters going on as the universe readjusts itself. And so people are going to be indoors, they're going to be down in bunkers, and we need long shelf life water. And I've worked as a consultant to Estee Lauder and other cosmetic companies uh, to be able to store frequencies and photons of light in water so that when you drink the water plus molecular oxygen and dissolved oxygen, then we, we sent out 17,000 bottles for free to people that had all kinds of illnesses. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing everybody said was, as soon as they started drinking one bottle of water, their attitude towards life changed. Wow. Because all you have to do is bring in harmony to this beautiful temple that God made. And then cancer and bugs and everything. It's like when you see roadkill, all this stuff shows up to turn roadkill back to dirt. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you get rid of disharmony in the body, especially the outer field works, which is where the crystal generators come in as they work on the outer body stuff first, that's much easier than trying to solve a physical problem in the body. And so once you bring harmony back in the body, all this stuff cannot live. Cancer can't live. Bugs can't live, especially candida. You know, all the, the women I've seen, uh, I should say, helped uh, with breast cancers and what have you. It's all mold and fungus and candida. Mm -hmm. But they can't call it that or they won't get paid all that money. Uh, and so... You know, the, the light uh, treatments, the RF treatments, frequencies, and especially when you have in the spinal column, you really don't have an immune system. And so intuitively, when you see people that have a problem, the immune system will attack it, you know? And so it goes into the center of your spine and it sits there and waits. Do you have a cold? Do you get a divorce? Do you get terrible boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, whole life goes to hell in a handbasket. And then they come out when you're weak. Uh, and then they start reproducing again. 
and working with the microscope. Now, you know, remember I was born strange. <laughs> but working working with the microscope, for it, there's only like three of them in the world goes up to forty thousand X. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was dealing with frequencies that could sedate, kill, or enhance microbes. So if you have a shelf life like certain companies that I can't mention on cosmetics, uh, then I could put frequencies in the water. They could make the cosmetics with the water. And then they had long shelf life. Didn't and you the do lar- that also with milk? Yeah, uh, largest milk company in the world. Can't mention that name. Put right. up uh, research money, and and so I would generate frequencies that would keep the bacteria from the farm to the factory, and from you know, there's a whole bunch of that. Uh, it's what they call it's too hot to do anything with, so they make it into yogurt and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I could target the bad bacteria that spoiled the milk and not harm the good bacteria. And well, so we were able to keep milk for months on end, no refrigeration. And, and the, the lawyers shut the whole thing down because they said, we cannot tell people that we're radiating milk. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if you've ever seen, but there were two papers published in the journal Explore by uh, Dean Radin. And I'm co-author on the paper, but... Um, it was two experiments we did with um, Masuro Emoto, the man that wrote the book about um, crystal yep. energy. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. I met with him. Yes. Yeah, so we did the first experiment where uh, we took water and had the water prayed to. And then we had the water that was the placebo. And yep. when it was sent, we shipped it to the lab in Japan, to his lab. And when they froze the crystals, a hundred different judges picked all the crystals from the water that had been prayed to, as opposed to the water that was the placebo. It did not create these amazing, beautiful crystals. Right. Then they did one, we did one about being praying to food and it was chocolate. And it showed that people who ate the chocolate that had been prayed to by monks and Mongolian shamans that chocolate when they ate gave them an elevated mood. They had to eat it every day for a week. And the people that received the placebo just ate the chocolate and just enjoyed it as chocolate. So there's food and there's water. And both of those were scientifically proved to do what you're saying, that things can affect these, you know, structures. Yeah. Well, we know that that you had cancer and... Mm. I, 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 I join you in that also. <laughs> and um, I was really impressed with what you wrote about your cancer experience and what, wh- and what you learned from it and what technique you came with that you call, I believe, cancel, cancel, mind control method. Yes. And I was wondering if you could share with our audience what that was like, first of all, what kind of cancer, what, what the doctors told you and what it actually ended up happening because you're here with us today. Well, first of all, I would have never did the radiation because it turned out to be thousands of times worse than the cancer was. Mm-hmm. But it was the only thing insurance would cover. And at that time we were, you know, we didn't have much money. And so the first thing is that the ACDC generator in motorhomes 
is the worst field you can get of those two together, pulsating. And so they always put them underneath the bed. So I've helped so many people with motorhomes since my problem, because I was in that motorhome for about a year, setting up cities for Brinks and Cellular One to monitor prisoners. And uh, so I knew better, but, you know, at that time, I was anxious to get the technology that I developed, spent a lot of years with. That was in 84 that I first developed that. And uh, so I spent most of the 60s learning how to talk to every cell in my body. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they hit me with that radiation, now, you know, the rest of the people in the room had all these lead blankets on, but for some reason, I wasn't privileged enough to have lead. Uh, and so all my hair is white. You know, I tell people, well, it was my kids, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and when I went to Singapore and, and Hong Kong and, and what have you overseas, they would open the door for you. I mean, they respected their elders. And so I got elder status by being radiated, but I don't recommend it. I got mine from children. <laughs> so anyway, that's when I was forced into learning, okay, did I get this problem because I was never sick a day in my life. Were you given and, a diagnosis of the uh, intensity of the cancer? What now? Were you given a diagnosis? Like, was this a cancer that they said was a small cancer or a cancer you wouldn't survive from? Well, no, it was a cancer that spread very fast through the lymph system. Uh-huh. Okay. And so that's why they said, you know, you have a matter of months or less if you don't take the cancer. I mean, the cancer treatments. Right. Uh, so that was like for two weeks every day. Uh, and so at that time I was, you know, selling cars, only job I could get. So in that heat in Texas, uh, you know, I'm out there just going, Lord, I got to do something else, you know? And so the owner of the Ford dealership comes out to me and says, listen, he says, all them worthless guys inside ain't doing nothing. They should be out here trying to find a customer. So he says, you got any experience in public uh, PR? I said, that's my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so they put me in charge of uh, the PNR of, of all the pissed off customers out of the automotive repair shop. And it was perfect for me. But anyway, it's amazing, you know, how the right situation comes around. It presents itself. Uh, and so I was forced into learning how to turn on everything because I couldn't digest, I couldn't eliminate, you know, I couldn't hardly do anything. Because the radiation uh, had killed the functions of your uh, of your organs, or was it from the radiation? Oh, the radiation shut down everything. Right. It shuts down your ductless glands. Your cells can no longer communicate from cell to cell. I mean, it's just total chaos. Nobody knows what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you knock out the pineal pituitary gland and everything else. Uh, so you don't produce enzymes. You don't. You can't digest. You can't eliminate. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, so anyway, 
uh, I learned that I could take the radio frequency generator and I could try different frequencies and you know, it wasn't too scientific because when I got to the frequency that stops your heart, I, I kind of figured it once was enough of that shit. <laughs> and so I marked it on my scope. <laughs> I can just go right on by that one next time. Uh, but I did learn the frequencies to add to the machine. So now we call them wellness frequencies mm -hmm. uh, in order to rebuild your body and bring it back into harmony. You know, it's like the uh, Schumann earth frequencies. You know, when you go out into the mountains and the trees and what have you, I mean, you know, that's unbelievable medicine. And so that you can't find a larger entity than the earth and all the living things on it to heal you uh, than the earth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you ask Mother Earth for help or you ask a tree for help, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I tell a lot of people, especially when I fly 20 hours overseas, First thing I want to find is a friggin' tree, <laughs> especially in Hong Kong. <laughs> you know, you got a million people around. Well, you know, I couldn't even go to high school events with my kids because the worst thing possible is a young child's brain just goes everywhere. <laughs> Drive me friggin' nuts. <laughs> I said, y'all going to have to go without me. I, I can't take that. And so then I go to Hong Kong, I go, holy crap. I thought he was going to put me in one of them balls, you know, and roll me down the, the street to protect me. Uh, I, I got the heck out of there. Uh, <laughs> I had a so, experiences there, yes. <laughs> so anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's sometimes you really have to understand how critical it is to learn from somebody who knows what they're doing and that's why they always kept the sacred knowledge to the tibetans and what have you and you had to do this slow process because too many people in the 60s were showing you how to use your third eye which is the worst thing you can do uh, you have no control when you go out your third eye mm -hmm. so then there's an eye at the top which they would call christ eye, buddha eye, whatever and then when you go out there then you're under guidance of your inner self and so it's important to learn how to develop your abilities. Well, we're coming into a time where consciousness is changing and your abilities and your DNA is being activated to bring in these abilities that you can do, which I was born strange with. Uh, you know, people are freaking out. They don't know why they feel the way they do what's happening, they start to see things, they, they think, you know, devil's trying to get them, and, you know. Well, is this when you, <laughs> when you started the cancel, cancel, mind control method? Is that something you taught yourself that was- Oh, oh no, no, there was, there was a Sylvia mind control. My first teacher, uh, bless his heart, Sadhu Balwan Singh Grewal, uh, came over from India and uh, would travel 75,000 miles a year uh, teaching people at different places on how all religions are have one thing in common and that was everybody was made from the same creator. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I traveled with him in a car, I knew right then and there, there was a God because he would miss a telephone uh, by a mailbox by a couple inches. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so I became a believer. <laughs> it was a wild ride. <laughs> My God, you know, and uh, so anyway, if if you. Uh, it was a tool about changing consciousness, it says here. Um, uh, about um, happy events and strong emotional association. And it was a method that you used to get rid of the negative. Well, when I was standing it. out on the parking lot, you know, used to be thinking, well, I think about strawberry shortcake. Well, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find something that would jar my mind out of, oh, shit, I'm going to die, you know. Uh, well, you were facing a death sentence. I mean, the that, doctor said you would not survive. Yeah, this I mean, that's they should be hung from the nearest tree when they tell somebody you're going to die because they have no right to say that. I, I agree personally, but. <laughs> yeah. And so what I did was when I was a child, I was out in the field and a swarm of grasshoppers came in and covered me. This is Kansas. And, and I was freaking out. Well, that was the only thing I could think of that would jar me out of, I'm going to die. So every time my mind was going negative, I would go cancel, cancel, grasshopper, grasshopper. And then I would jar my mind enough to where I could switch to a beneficial, what do I want to do in the future? What do I like? Uh, you know, and so you've got to, first of all, get control of that runaway mind. And so a, a mantra helps. Mm -hmm. And so the simplest one I learned from my teacher was you breathe in three times and then you breathe out once. And then you make up something that means something to you. But to me, I would breathe in, I am all, and then out health. And then I would breathe in, God is my, and then breathe out health. And just constantly, every time your mind would start to go negative shit, you would do grasshoppers, grasshopper, or strawberry shortcake, or whatever, to jar it, and then bring in your mantra to keep you focused. Otherwise, you'll crawl down in that pit and never get out. Yes, I understand. And I've been in that pit a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> They told me I had two to five years to live with cancer. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and then when when I, I had the I had cervical cancer, when they removed the um, tumor, they said yeah. all that all the doctor said was, I don't know what you did with your Indians, but whatever you did, you created a skin around the tumor and it was completely encapsulated. So it never spread to anywhere else in my body. And the action, the doctor actually gave the work I did with the Weechol Indians. By the way, I'm wearing a Weechol piece right now that was just sent to me by Silao Carrillo who made it for me in Mexico. And his dad just brought it up here, my favorite, the Eagle. And I went there and did shamanic healing with the shaman in the mountains of Mexico because I didn't believe that they were really gonna be able to help me. I ate the dried blood of the deer which I didn't know at the time was dried blood, but I thought it was like powdered deer jerky or something, but it was really safe. I'd rather have that than radiation. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I, it was delicious. It was a salty. And when I ate it, 
and I was at 10,000 feet elevation. When I ate it, I, I went from this depressed person because that's when I realized I really had cancer when the shaman told me. So I didn't really believe the doctors. I always figured somehow they're making a mistake. And right. uh, I got very depressed because then I realized it was real. And uh, one of the fathers there, my friend's father, who was I think in his 90s then, didn't have a gray hair in his head. And he brought me his special sacred and my friend said to me, oh, he doesn't bring this out for anybody, you know, but it's one of their cure things. So I just yeah. took it and I felt like for four days, like Wonder Woman, like I'd been given like an <laughs> incredible shot of like every type of nutritional thing my body could ever need. I felt like powerful. And well, that's one of the biggest crimes there is, hon, is doctors insist on taking a sample and when they cut into that area, because your body will isolate that cancer. It did. Naturally. And when they cut into that area for autopsy or whatever it is, a sample, it spreads to all the blood in your body. I've always wondered about that when they do it's it. It's the worst thing cells. anybody can possibly do. Don't ever take that situation. Mm -hmm. So this, yeah. this takes me on to another area that I'd love to talk about because we're really, we're talking about healing right now. Right. And I understand that you have created a healing center. Is that correct? Yeah. So could you tell us the name and tell us about it? And if there's a, a, a place where if someone wanted to contact you, what would be the place that they would do that? Okay. Uh, in all honesty, the place where I'm at right now, all I do is open the gate <laughs> and the people are out there waiting, right? And, and you know, they come in and, and they walk around, they sit on some rocks and they leave and and nobody can possibly explain what the heck happened. Uh but anyway, uh in nineteen ninety-five, I believe it was, my whole life changed when I a friend of mine drove me to Sedona. Sedona, Arizona. Sedona, Arizona. And I was at the airport there because I was hiring a private plane to take me to Yogi Bhajan because he wanted uh, the pendants, those Claris Q Link things you wear. Originally, oh, they yes, were designed. I got, I got the Q Link. My father had us all wearing them. <laughs> yeah, well, I was the original inventor of those. I licensed Claris, the units. Really? And then I had to sue them because they were taking everything out that made it work so they could make more money. I still have mine up in my jewelry box. Yeah. So the original ones that we made for them worked unbelievable. I mean, it was a beautiful design I had and it still works today. And in fact, I'm going to find somebody that will do the right work and license the new design to them. But anyway, the, uh, he, when I got there, Yogi Bhajan, I showed him the water that gives you energy and the water that gives you, so you can go to sleep and, and the resonator, well, he wanted me to design a resonator that control his disciples. I said, sir, I don't do anything like that. I said, you know, this protects you from electromagnetics and other people's thinking, thinking. And right now I'm thinking, your, your ideals is thinking, thinking. <laughs> and so I said, I'm not going to build it for you. And so one of the gals says, well, you know, let me try some of the structured water. So he takes the two ounce bottle 
of sleep stuff, which you're supposed to use four to six drops for four to six hours of sleep and drinks the whole two ounce bottle. Oh, so that tells me that meeting was over with. <laughs> and so I packed up my stuff and and by the way they said they had landing lights when we get out there and it's dark and it's a switch on a light post. <laughs> that was so, the plane to, with a plane to land. <laughs> so we fly out of there and I get my a call on my phone. Oh, what'd you do to the master? Did you kill him? What's going on? He's sleeping, he never sleeps. And and I said, you know, he'll sleep for at least twelve or fourteen hours. <laughs> And so the next day they call me and they say, oh, well, he, he's all excited about your water. And I said, I'm not going to do anything with that man because he's not doing what's right for each individual unit of consciousness. Don't call me back again. Uh, and so that process flew me over the Flagstaff, Arizona crater mm -hmm. and then flew me past Acoma. And I'm looking down here, I'm asking the pilot, I said, my God, what is all those rocks? There's so much energy coming out of there. He said, well, that's some ancient Indian city there. And we fly over the crater and the gauges are going nuts and what have you. And I'm feeling this negative spin down into this crater. And I'm going, good dang, hope I don't get sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so then, uh, when we get back and we're driving home, my guy that went with me says, can we drop by an Indian village I'd like to see? And I said, sure. And so we come over this bluff and there's Sky City. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, let's go. <laughs> so we get down there and there's this little girl at this little table and, and she's selling pottery and she lives up on that area where people have lived for thousands of years. And, uh, I see this box of clay, broken pieces of clay underneath her table. And I said, well, is that for sale? She says, oh, no, I can't sell that. I said, well, can I look through it? She says, okay. So I'm looking through this box of broken clay, and here's a rock. You know, small rock, and a very unusual rock. And I said, can I buy this rock? So she looks at me, and she says, oh, white boy wants to buy rocks. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So I give her $5, and so my friend takes a picture of us, and I said, now I'll, I'll show you why I wanted the rock. Oh, my gosh, she turned red right there when he snapped the picture. And she said, oh, I wouldn't have gave you that or sold that to you if I'd known what was in it. I said, honey, it wasn't for you. It was a message for me. And so in there, a raccoon sitting on a log inside this rock vision says what I'm going to do in the future. I'm going to create a foundation. It's going to help indigenous people around the world. And Bill Rice, who's the most famous Indian attorney in the world, and I created that foundation in 1993 and had no idea what spirits of the land really meant. That was just what I was told to call it. And Are so, we in Arizona now, when this land? or it, I believe that's in uh, uh, Acoma, A-C-O-M-A. Arizona. Arizona, okay. And that's Sky City. Mm -hmm. Very sacred energy there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I got an, a native woman to draw what I saw in the way of a vision. So when you go to my internet site, which is www.greatspiritearth, all one word, small letters, 
org org and, and that's just a one page thing there and i use the internet differently in that i put out that i'm looking for people who want to to help humanity and help the and the world and this and that and what have you mm -hmm. uh and so that way they call me and they email me and they say i don't know why i'm calling you but you know what do you do you know, so why spend all that money paying people to design 50 pages of an internet site? Mm -hmm. yeah. All I need is a connection. <laughs> right. Well, one page to reach out. One page does it. Yes. And so, so then I finally sell my water patents for a considerable amount of money for the first step. And so I'm, I find this guy who loaned me some money about 10 years before then out in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And I'm handing him, you know, some pretty good money. And so as we're standing in his yard, all these native people get around us and start chanting, singing, dancing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's getting shivers and he's feeling weird. And he says, what the hell's going on? I said, well, I don't know about you, but we're surrounded by uh, natives. I'm hoping that we're not going to be dinner. Uh, you talking but, spirits of the natives? The spirits are dancing around us. Yeah. Uh, and so all of a sudden he says, well, I'll just give you this money back if you'll live next door to me and buy that land. He says, well, whoa, wait a minute. What did I say? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, well, sure. No, I, wait a minute. How much is it? What land? <laughs> so well, obviously we were being controlled, but for a good reason. And uh, so anyway, I'm all excited. and. I, I take my wife and everything out on Valentine's Day and drive up to this place and say, well, you know, we own this land. And so the the rancher there with a gun in his hand says, I beg your pardon, but you don't. <laughs> so I didn't even know where the hell the land was. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, my neighbor comes and finds me and takes us to the land. And as soon as I walk on this land, I knew something was different. And I mean, it was pretty crowded. There was a lot of very sacred people there. So if you look at a 1937 photograph, you see all these paths coming in from different directions to the top of this hill where this woman who was given this land by Teddy Roosevelt in 18 something or other to teach the Indians English, you know, I thought, well, maybe she could help me, but she, she was already dead because my English teacher said I didn't, not only did she flunk me in third grade for not knowing English, but she said I did not even know the human language. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but here I am, uh, I own this land this English teacher had. And uh, so come to find out some grandmas would come up to me at the powwow. She said, we buried our sacred people there on your land. And uh, so she, she says, I hope you respect that. Mm -hmm. And I said, no question about it. And so it turns out that there's numerous what they call marker trees on this property. hundred used to be 160, but now the road came through and it's 140. But these marker trees have a knot on them pointing down. And that's a grave site. Mm -hmm. And then there's knots that point to springs in different directions. So there's probably 15 of these marker trees on one little piece of land. And so it became very obvious that hey, this is a pretty uh, 
Pretty and these were Native incredible. American peoples that were buried there many years earlier. Yeah, from different tribes. From different tribes. That seems unusual. That would be from different tribes. Yeah, different tribes. Yeah. And uh, there was this woman knew it was sacred. So she never would let anybody build on the property, but she built a long, what looked like a barn with a fireplace at the end, you know? And, yeah. and so the Indians would come there from different areas. And that was those trails that we saw in the photographs, the first ones that were taken in 1937. And they would have ceremonies in that building because back then it was illegal. Uh, and so after a number of years passed, a guy came there who wasn't, you know, definitely uh, had problems. Mm -hmm. But he brought the knowledge of a guy who wrote a book on the grid lines of the earth. And that guy emailed me and he said, listen, everybody in their world thinks they got a grid line coming through their property since I wrote this book. But he says, you are the only one that actually has one. And it's the only grid line running through Oklahoma and it's designated as a 7.5 grid line. Well, that's like, you know, major places around the world, including the pyramid have built on these 7.5 grid lines. And so that answered some questions for me because there was one area where there was a tremendous amount of energy, 50 feet, 100 feet wide. And you don't get that with a, a special rocks or special trees, you know, and it was all flowing from south to north. And uh, so then when I first walked on the property, this Indian come up to me. Well, I don't know Indian languages, but I would see visions or I would have it converted to my language. Mm -hmm. And so he was white riding a horse. So we called him white horse. And so he says, I want you to bring back my rocks. I said, excuse me, <laughs> you got enough walks around here. <laughs> and he said, well, you don't know what I mean. So a couple months later, I'm talking to the security guard who at the time I didn't know his family owned the property. And uh, he says, I want you to ask him about my, who stole my rocks. I said, wait a minute. You want me to ask the security guard about who stole rocks? <laughs> so I did. And then I found out that, you know, oh, yeah, we know. who We let him on the property. He had a metal detector. And, and you know, he was finding old bottles and this and that. And, and, but he's dead. But his wife lives in town. And so White Horse says, I want you to bring back my rocks. I said, well, okay. So we go in there and we meet with this guy's wife. And like all these rocks are in her yard and she'd given them to her sisters and, and what have you. And so I've been buying them back and I still got 187 pieces to buy back. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we're going to build a round Kiva and put these rocks in it because I've taken these rocks up to Norm Sheely, who's a longtime friend, studied all my water and studied the resonator designs. Heard him speak, yes. Yeah, and uh, unbelievable, nice guy. Yes. So uh, we took him up there and we hooked up people on the brain scans and on acupressure points. And as soon as you put your hands on these rocks, it balances up your, all your meridians. Wow. And it just relaxes you and you don't have pain. And so I've learned some of those frequencies to put in the water. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, we brought the rocks back, uh, some of them. And uh, people from 
all over the world and have come to the property from Norway and from China, largest oil company, second largest oil company in the world from China, couldn't speak a word of English, had an interpreter, came out and set on some of these rocks. And, uh, you know, nice folks, but, you know, they wore shorts and sandals, no socks. And I said, sir, we have serious bugs here. Oh, we got all kinds of bugs in China. Said, okay, but I don't think you got chiggers. <laughs> so <laughs> we take them out there and uh, they have all kinds of things that happen to them. And I get an email back a few uh, weeks later after they get home. And they said, you got to email us and tell our wives that, that we were just looking at rocks and trees because you know they wonder how we got bites all over our whole body we had to be <laughs> rolling, rolling naked somewhere with some woman right <laughs> so anyway uh the it's the only place i've ever been to and i've been to a lot of sacred sites uh where you have native people from different tribes you have uh different Indians are the only ones, and I talk to a lot of folks in graveyards. It's, you know, when you get bored and you got nothing to do on a Friday night, you go out and talk to the graveyard. I love cemetery hopping. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, they, uh, the uh, spirits there, Native people, have the ability to decide whether they want to stay and help their family, stay and help Earth, but they have the right to stay in a local area and watch over people. And so they're the only ones I ever see who are there voluntarily. Mm -hmm. So there are griddle points on the earth, uh, nodal points. And so there's one on this property and it holds the earth together in that particular part of the earth. And these Indians are, are very sacred. And so far in 20 years, they've only let four people come sit on that rock, you know, and, uh, Bill Rice and I was sitting on there and he was pointing to the tree in front of us. He says, Randy, he says, that tree has four knots on it. And he said, that's a very special site we're sitting on. Uh, because usually you get one knot, maybe two, maybe three, but not four knots facing towards us. Does that mean there were four people buried at that site? Nope, nope. Uh, that means the high energy level of that particular site is a four knot instead of a one knot mm -hmm. and so that we call that the elders rock so that picture you have of me i was just I, oh i have this one here well not that one but the picture okay. you have of, of of me with my hat on oh yes that will be on the site yes yeah yeah uh and so that picture is me standing beside the elders rock and so you know there's no way to describe what happens when my wife and I sit there or, you know, and very close Indian friends sit on that rock. Then we go through a, a interdimensional area where they're sitting there and they're working on stabilizing the earth. And so they say, we cannot be bothered with all the people that come here, but you're welcome. Mm -hmm. And so there was another spot a little ways away and they said, go to that other spot which we call a small circular rock. So if you'll hold that other picture up with my longtime friend, Carl. Yeah. There's the bottom. You're going to have to talk so that they'll be able to see that picture better. See, or well, maybe if I tilt. Yeah, this. there you go. Just keep talking. 
There we go. Is that better? Yeah, keep talking. Okay. Okay. So we'll put this picture up, I think, on this. I'm not sure how it works, but I think we can get this into the uh, talk that we're having that David could put this, David could put this photo into our uh, podcast or okay. actually our YouTube video, then people would be able to see it. Okay, the podcast so people will only hear what we have to say, but the YouTubes will see this. Right. All right. So you can put it down now. Okay. Now, anybody that's listening and the people have done this from all over the world, anybody that's listening can intentionally be by that rock. Now it's a flat rock and there's a tree above it. So that's a capacitor there. And so the, the high frequency energy comes down to the rock and then the rock and mother earth pull stuff out of people. And so I've, especially native Indian women that's been raped. I mean, freak some people out <laughs> because when that shit starts coming out of you, I mean, they cry and yell and scream and, you know, and, and, and one time we had uh, American Indian Association of doctors at OU came out, 50 of them in a bus, and most of them were young ones, but the older gals that brought them out knew what was going on, and so they didn't want to get out because it was raining. I said, listen, you're Native people. You have the right to ask the sky and the earth and, and what have you to give you a moment. And I said, so let's all pray so that we can, the rain will stop and the sun will come out. And so, boom, <laughs> the rain separates out to the fence line. I mean, the fence line and wow. then to, to the other spot. And then the sun opens up. I said, okay, we don't have much time. So we walk in there and everything was fine. And we were helping a lot of these girls. And But boy, when the one stepped up there that had been raped by a whole bunch of guys, I mean, these gals were, a lot of them were Christian type folks, were just running back to the bus as fast as they could because they thought it was the work of the devil and was, was stealing their soul or something. Right, that's right. <laughs> well, that's what happened to all the people they condemned to witchcraft and being witches and burned at the stakes. Uh-huh, yeah. Because they were healers and people <laughs> that were using other, other invisible forces to help aid people. Yeah, so we uh we get back in the bus and the rain comes back together, sun goes away, and, and uh, those gals still send me emails about how that whole changed their life uh, and how they look towards their religion of their life about the creator creating everything and everything should be respected, uh, and uh, so. So we got the nodal point with the elders and the little people, funniest folks you ever met, little, little small people. Uh, and they're there at that one site and they'll, they'll work on people and what have you. If you ask for help, if you don't ask for help, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing. I, uh, I find you, that you need to be open and receptive to receive. Yeah. And that yeah. much more, if you go up with a wall in front of you, it makes it much harder for anything to get through. If you go there more open and just ready to whatever happens is what I'll receive, it's yep. a much better mindset. Well, one of my good friends a long time ago, maybe 17, 15 years, 
uh, was an oil man and another oil man was with him and they were trying to get me to do consulting for him, which I ended up doing, but I told him, I said, listen, guys, I can't do any work with you with the way your energy is. So took him over there and this guy sat on this rock and the first thing he did was, boom, fell asleep. <laughs> his, his friend was all concerned about what happened. I said, listen, I'm just going to have to take him to the motel and let him sleep it off. Well, come to find out this guy could never sleep. He'd sit in a chair and watch TV, you know, all night long for most of his life. And uh, so he still today is a supporter of the foundation and one of my best friends and, and, uh, well, I think that's a, that I've seen that happen when I've attended a lot of different retreats by different teachers, mm -hmm. sometimes like myself or whoever it is, other, another person goes into a deep sleep yeah. and wake up when the talk is over. And then yep. you feel like, did you miss it? And the teachers would always say, no, they went to a deeper place to receive the information. Well, with one exception, yes, uh, we had a group of about 40 people at the top of the hill and this one guy who knew everything about everything couldn't tell him you know anything you know spiritual stuff and this and that and what have you and so it was so funny uh one of the elders come out with a tomahawk and popped him on the head and he <laughs> slept and so when we were all done you know for meditating and what have you i come over and i woke him up i said it's time to go he said well, are we ever going to do anything i said we're done <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh it's it's so nice to have friends you don't have to feed and you don't have to have them a bed uh you know and they're just a wealth of knowledge well i have to say that's the that's the reason that zagda the very powerful mongolian shaman who came over from mongolia and was staying at our house when she left to go on to Chicago, she came back two days later and said, I, I can't go to Chicago right now because I saw that there were too many spirits around you. Gail, yeah, you that's have right. so many spirits around you <laughs> that I have to initiate you as a shaman. And that was the only reason that I didn't, know, I had no way, I didn't ask to be a shaman. I didn't ask her to initiate yep. me. I was just, she was just here in my home being with me with no translators. So it was well, the next time you, you yeah. talk to her, yeah, you, you tell her that uh, I've been contracted to build 1700 villages in Mongolia, uh -huh. of the hydroponic building technology that I have, so that when they're growing food, the frequencies that are generated in that building and the shielding from all this stuff that's fixing to come down oh. uh, enables them to live and work in a building. Uh, and not do like they did on that river thing in China where they put them all in in apartments and you know it's like so the Native worked, Americans. So you, you know, worked I, with men in in Mongolia that but, are well, I'm not going to do it, but uh, I'm giving the technology to some of the elders, and they're going to go over there and build these because uh, you can grow food without sunlight in the freezing weather of Mongolia twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week is because when um, we hosted a very famous scientist from Mongolia who um, had not seen his son in 10 years because his son had moved to the United States with his wife and children. And they reunited in my front door here. And it was the oh, most- Oh, that's great. 
to see these two men hug each other who had not been able to hug each other for 10 years. Yeah. Son said, now that I've learned all these things here, I'm going back to the to Mongolia. And he said, when you meet me next, he said, I'm going to be growing food in Mongolia. Oh, well, I need to talk I, to them. Yeah. I did not believe what he what the photos I have from Facebook. He has created huge greenhouses because when I was there, I kept saying, you don't even grow a tomato here. I mean, there was all of the food <laughs> comes from China. They don't grow any of their own food there. Yeah. And he said they're having a lot of destruction from mining where these countries are coming in and they destroy the land when they mine for different minerals. So he was going to go back and do reclamation where he could restore the land to its original beauty. But he ended up going into this farming. And I've just, and he has tractors and he has people coming from other countries now to see what he's done there. But everything he told us in this house, I saw it come to life on Facebook and massive amounts of growing of food in yeah. the winter there. And he's got, he, he, you know, everything's in Mongolian, but then I hit the translate button to find out what he's really saying. And he's accomplished an incredible amount of stuff. Exactly, He set out to do this and Anyway, he's the only person I know that's done this. So if there's a way of him, me connecting him to the people you know, I think it would be a wonderful thing because he's working with uh, people from other countries that are coming there. And yeah, let's see, what a lot of those farmers don't understand and, and hydroponics both. And I work with one of the famous guys at, at university PhD that developed the, the aquaponics, mm -hmm. you know, fish and plants. What they don't understand is that the frequencies generated from an excited sun uh, from all this galactic stuff hitting it, it there's a lot of frequencies there that you don't want which is why some plants are dying at the top of the trees is the magnetic field of the earth is changing so the magnetic fields down through africa when you look at those energies the trees are dying off so they're going to have to move it over to the, where the new magnetic fields are otherwise you cannot grow large trees mm -hmm. uh, unless you put an antenna system above it and generate uh, the frequencies to continue to grow them in that area but the main thing is you need to produce the, the right colors the right pulsations the right timing of photons and then have the structured water. I did this in 93 to prove it so that the structured water grows plants that taste like plants. Otherwise you grow a large amount of roots and the plants taste like cardboard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We used to grow uh, lettuce in 21 days. I mean, huge lettuces uh, and, and sell them to the stores. And then I developed a frequency system that you know, because it's, you know, it, you start cutting plants. And a good friend of mine was the gentleman who wrote uh, the book on plants. And I knew him because I was in the security business for 20 years. And, and he developed very good lie detector machines. In fact, I bought my microscope from his lab in San Diego. Uh, and he studied yogurt and plants and what have you that you just think about boiling yogurt and they know it and you think about cutting a leaf off of any plant and then the other plants know it so i had to produce frequencies to sedate all the plants in the greenhouse so that we could harvest them 
because if you didn't do that, by the time you get to the other side of the plant, they're all wilted. They know they're dying. Mm -hmm. And then you put the frequencies in the pallets and you keep them sedated until they get to the grocery store. Okay. And that whole thing was worked out. But so many people that just, you know, had no concept of this is not just technology that you sell. This is technology to keep plants alive, keep humans alive. Uh, you know, it ain't about the money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you <Right>. know, <laughs> it's about how can this help humanity and the earth? I, so. I want to say we should, we should, we're going to probably have to start to wind down now, even though I could talk to you for hours and hours. Well, like I told you, they call me Chief Longwind <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> Well, I was, I was wondering if there's, you know, before we come to a, to, to, a, to a close at all, I was wondering if there was something, I have this piece I was either going to read unless you want to share about it, but I loved what you wrote about outside the box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought I would read that little paragraph at the end of our talk here. Okay. Um, but I was wondering what else, if there was anything else you wanted to share on our direct on our directive or our description spot in the podcast, we can have your email and your website so that people can check out. Um, is it Great Earth Spirit? Uh, GreatSpiritEarth.org. Great, GreatSpiritEarth.org. Yeah, and, and, and you uh, can put my. Uh, well, I'm probably gonna. You know, I don't like either Gmail or Yahoo. Right. And I, I get so many emails into my foundation site uh, that, you know, it's overwhelming. Uh, yeah, it's overwhelming. Well, yeah. they'll have they'll have the website to to check out. And yeah. I was wondering if there was any any piece of I, I feel like you've done um, this amazing life where if you didn't have the like the grandparents were the best thing that opened the up the world ever. to invention and spirituality. And yeah. you took that with you and it helped you to become who you are today. And I'm wondering, um, I feel Sometimes like- what looks like is a bad situation. Right. Is a learning situation. That, I feel that way. When people hear about- the If things you ain't I got problems, God forgot about you. <laughs> right, no, I, I say, no, I, I'm always grateful for all the things that have ever happened because they make me who I am today. Yeah. And yeah. they teach you compassion, whatever the lessons, as long as you learn your, the, you learn the lessons from these experiences yeah. and also to show you who you are. And you're an amazing man that I can't get enough of in this, you know, we've been on for an hour and a half now and we haven't even touched so many things. We'll have to have a separate visit sometime with you and my husband because all he wants to know about is all these amazing scientific things. You I told him he could call me and, and yes, I, we're thinking about coming out with an autobiography, but you're going to have to look in the fiction because nobody's going to believe no, it. That I understand. <laughs> and, you know, he's an MIT Yale man. So you're, <laughs> when he started to read the list of the things you've done with science and the structured water and the, the I guess it's a magnetic device that extracts oil or something, uh, uh, some other down, down old pump. Yeah. Yes. So all of those things, I'm not so good to ask questions like that. <laughs> I don't well, know enough about that. I'm better off with the spirits and 
I, I did <laughs> finish my uh, statement on the microscope. Yes. Is that when, regardless of the organisms that I was looking at under the slide, mm -hmm. I could talk to them and say, okay, if you guys understand me, I'll line up in a straight line because they're swimming all over the place, you know? And so that I had one of the expert guys in microscopes adjusting my microscope at that time. So I showed him, he says, ah, oh, no way. I'm not even going to talk about this. <laughs> he see all these things line up in the row there. And so later I got to thinking, well, wait a minute. They know that I'm producing frequencies to kill organisms. And so they probably lined up because they didn't want to be dead. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, there's some nasty critters out there that, that need to go away and uh, not mm -hmm. be in the human body. And, and uh, you know, there's, it's frequencies and generating with the crystal probes is the biggest thing I've ever seen in the health industry that helps so many people. And, and like I say, they don't even know I exist. You know, because of reasons of the mafia and the drug, you know, the third largest things that kills people in this world is drugs. Yes. Third largest rate of death. And are we talking street drugs or pharmaceutical drugs? Pharmaceutical or? drugs uh, is the biggest, is third largest killer in the world. I wish my dad was still alive today because if he would have been able to talk to you between <laughs> that and the Q-Link, I'm just saying he was always ahead of his time and people always thought he was crazy. But then all the things my dad said was going to happen, he's not here to see it, but everything he said was going to happen has been happening. Yeah, and we, he we, was a very aware man. Yeah. But other people would think, oh, he's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, we sold them resonators to protect people from electromagnetic pollution because of what I got cancer from. Mm -hmm. But we found out that actually protecting people from other people's stinking thinking was more important. When my dad, when my dad was given his cancer, um, uh, whatever, notification, <laughs> he, never, he, he did have his cancer removed from his colon, a piece of, of his colon with intestine taken out. And they said, now you have to do radiation and chemotherapy, and we want you to go to the, uh, what they call it, oncologist. All right. my, dad, my dad said, no, I'm not going to an oncologist. I did the uh, one thing that I allowed because he couldn't pass anything because he had complete blockage. Right. He had to. He had the piece of the, of it removed exactly where his father had that same cancer. Yep. And um, for the next three years, he lived a very healthy and happy life, managing his cancer on his own with alternative holistic things. And he did a lot. You know, eating, drinking. He he weightlifted till a couple of weeks before he passed. And um, when he passed away. The doctor who had seen him in that hospital saying you have, you know, cancer said, I have never seen a patient manage cancer and do so well like your father did. I have never seen that before. And that was without the rest of it was without any more. They never did radiation, never did chemo, but he lived for three more years. Well, and what he did tell your viewers is spend your money and spend your time on wellness don't wait till it's too late because it's too late i've had so many people 
that you know finally you know did something uh, and it was too late mm -hmm. and you know it's a situation where you know all this drugs and all these vaccines and you know these the court case which they won't show you uh in fact it was united states supreme court and it's still hushed up but it, it they sued all the vaccine companies and filed complaints against them because they produced no evidence whatsoever that it's ever worked for anything and there's no research at all that they can hand over it's all a, a bioweapon situation for whatever they want the vaccine to do at that time my it's, brother says the, follow the money that's it that's the number of thing you follow the money then you know and that and especially there's atomic drilling machines and i did this a long time ago atomic drilling machines are booked up for five to ten years in the future producing underground vaults and villages so that whatever is happening here in the future they'll have some place to go and they, that's, that's why the they want powerful, the population the powerful few that control yes yes yeah uh, well, that's a, that's a whole nother, we have to, I can see two or three more visits here on my podcast show with you. <laughs> well, that's, you know, when I help people find lost children, uh, you know, I know some guys that went into those tunnels and took them children out and blew them up, blew the tunnels up. Right. And these guys are hardcore guys has been in Vietnam and Korea and, and none of it can they stomach what they saw. Oh. You can't even talk about it. And, and you help persist in finding those children. Yeah. And, and one child is worth more than platinum or gold. That's right. Okay. I mean, it's unbelievable that our financial system and worldwide is all about children. You know, and so it's, it's just horrendous. Uh, because they learn that if they make a child so fearful and then they take the blood out of that child that it makes you younger by years, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's why, you know, Supreme Court passed a thing saying no more abortions about a certain time. It's because the whole ab abortion thing was to get the babies and resell them. All kinds of evidence. Anyway, I won't get into that because it's a nasty subject, but I will tell yeah. you. Well, yeah. Well, I'd like to end more on a happy note. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, a happy note is we found them, and, you know, the guys who were involved, they didn't even bother burying them. They're gone. Well, I'm glad that you aid in helping find missing children, and that was a, the, the amount of things that you've done to help other people. I do hope that we get to meet in person one day. I'm willing to drive from my house in, or in California to Oklahoma to visit <laughs> you someday and meet your family. Okay. And I want to thank you so much for coming here today. I know that we've had a longer talk than usual because there was just too much to say. But I did want to read one thing that you wrote as, I, as, as our closing. Okay. And um, I want to say this is the words of, um, of Randy here. There are an amazing worlds and levels of wonder to expand ourselves outside our boxes. Once we free ourselves of limitations 
of belief systems created to control us for someone else's desires, including what we create ourselves from issues we are unable to deal with. That is why it is better to learn how to center yourself in the creator's light within you and follow the inner voice to freedom. Amen. There are many levels of being in service to the creator. You may ask to be of service for a while as watchers, protectors like native people, and many other helpers at many levels, including all the other manifestations of consciousness on all dimensions and galactic domains. At some point in each individual unit of consciousness advances, they may become the overlord or watcher over the earth, planets, galaxies. Randy. That's that pretty good. I'll have to meet that guy. That was you. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank you very much. And I want to thank our listeners today. We hope that when you find us on YouTube, you subscribe, you like, you share. We're on Spotify. We'll be on other podcasts and sites that you see. And look for us in the description to find any more information you need. And we look forward to seeing you again. And remember, stories heal. Let's share them. Bye-bye. He had people come to his welding shop where he would build stuff for him and they'd be all mad or sad or something and, and he'd make them laugh. And so grandfather called a pull in your leg. Well, I wanted to be like my grandfather. So I was limping into the house and said, grandma, uh, she, she says, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, grandpa's been pulling my legs so much that one's longer than the other. <laughs> She's only oh, you're as bad as he is. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>